Well, good afternoon and welcome to another edition of In Transition. My name is Randy McElligot. We're going to be back in a few minutes with some new music uh, from sax player Aaron Irwin from his album Into the Light. But before we get to that, let's listen to this. Ici Sarah Onyango et bienvenue à Radio Colorie. Une émission de radio sur le coloris automnal. C'est une initiative de la CCN en collaboration avec CHUO. Tous les week-ends, du 30 septembre au 15 octobre, à compter de 11h et jusqu'à 16h, à l'heure en français, à la demi-heure en anglais. Plusieurs activités seront présentées le dernier week-end de coloris. Prenez la journée des feuilles. Les enfants pourront jouer dans un amoncellement géant de feuilles identifier les feuilles des principaux arbres du parc, participer à un concours de dessin de feuilles, apprendre à construire un herbier. Vous pourrez également assister à un spectacle de musique tzigane présenté par le groupe Mouchetabouche. Le tout aura lieu au Centre des visiteurs du parc de la Gatineau au 33 Chemin Scott à Chelsea entre 13h et 16h. L'entrée est gratuite. Il y aura également un concours de photos d'amateurs 2006. Le thème, les couleurs d'automne du parc de la Gatineau, se reflétant dans les cours d'eau du parc de la Gatineau. Il y aura six magnifiques prix à gagner, dont une caméra numérique Fuji Fine Pix S9000, 9 mégapixels, d'une valeur de 750 dollars, gracieuseté du Centre japonais de la photo, de la place du centre et des galeries de hall à Gatineau. Ce concours a lieu jusqu'au 27 octobre 2006 à 16 heures. Dans le cadre de Radio Colorie, nous allons vous présenter de courtes capsules d'informations sur la nature et l'histoire du parc. Le parc de la Gatineau recèle de trésors fascinants, une faune, une flore et des sites uniques, des lacs limpides et un réseau de sentiers partagés qui, en été, fait la joie des randonneurs et des adeptes du vélo de montagne. Écoutons Michel Dallaire, gestionnaire des services récréatifs dans le parc de la Gatineau, nous parler de cette richesse unique. Michel, parle-moi de l'envergure du réseau de sentiers du parc de la Gatineau. Il y a plusieurs façons de parler de l'envergure du réseau de sentiers du parc. D'abord, il faut qu'on mentionne que ce réseau-là est multifonctionnel, c'est-à-dire qu'il est accessible à l'année longue. On pourrait parler de l'aspect physique de ce réseau-là. On sait qu'en distance euh, linéaire, on parle d'environ 200 km de sentiers. Alors, pour faire une image d'un peu la distance entre le centre-ville d'Ottawa et celui de Montréal, donc c'est quand même euh, une somme assez importante de sentiers. On parle aussi de structures d'accueil importantes. On pourrait mentionner qu'il y a plus d'une quinzaine de points de départ officiels. Alors, il y a plusieurs relais le long du réseau de sentiers des belvédères, des points de vue. On retrouve euh, ces sentiers-là sur presque tout l'ensemble du parc. Les sentiers sont périphériques au milieu urbain, donc vous arriviez euh, des centres-villes de Gatineau, d'Ottawa, euh, en autobus, à pied, en bicyclette, en auto. Alors, il y a une panoplie de sentiers qui sont déjà accessibles en périphérie. Par la suite, plus au nord, dans le cœur du parc, dans la région de Chelsea, évidemment, là, il y a une série de sentiers qui se retrouvent géographiquement aux alentours du Camp Fortune. Par la suite, on peut continuer pour se rendre jusqu'au secteur du lac Philippe, qui est un petit peu plus au nord, environ une trentaine de kilomètres au nord. Il y a un sous-réseau de sentiers dans ce coin-là. Et on peut même se rendre jusqu'au lac La Pêche. Donc, géographiquement parlant, 
le réseau de sentiers est un peu une épine dorsale qui nous permet de découvrir l'ensemble du parc, du sud au nord, dans sa partie la plus intensément utilisée, jusqu'aux secteurs les plus reculés dans des zones de conservation. Quelles sont les activités qui peuvent être effectuées sur ces sentiers? En période estivale, évidemment, l'activité règne, c'est définitivement la randonnée pédestre. Plus de 600 000 personnes viennent pratiquer la randonnée pédestre. Et donc, on s'adresse à une panoplie de clientèle tout à fait diversifiée. On a même des sentiers d'accès universel, donc personnes qui seraient à mobilité restreinte pourraient venir dans le parc et bénéficier des attraits du parc. On offre l'été des sentiers partagés, c'est-à-dire où la randonnée pédestre et le vélo sont possibles, le vélo de montagne s'entend. Il y a des sentiers à usage exclusif de randonnée pédestre. Et il y a aussi des sentiers récréatifs. Ce sont des sentiers pavés qui nous permettent, à partir des centres-villes, d'accéder au parc via les différents milieux urbains. L'automne est la saison la plus propice à cette activité. -là. En hiver, le parc est évidemment reconnu pour le ski de fond. Alors, le ski de fond se pratique sous différentes formes, différents types de sentiers, différentes pratiques, que ce soit le ski de fond sous la forme classique ou le pas de patin. Le parc est la destination la plus importante en Amérique du Nord pour la pratique du ski. On parle au-delà de 220 000 jours visite, donc c'est extrêmement important. Pour ceux qui veulent découvrir le parc sous une autre forme, un autre type de pratique, il y a évidemment la raquette. La raquette se pratique sur sentier et hors sentier. Pourquoi des sentiers? C'est pour permettre à des débutants de s'initier à cette activité-là et par la suite découvriront le parc hors sentier. On offre aussi certains sentiers de randonnée pédestre. On sait que les gens veulent marcher de plus en plus l'hiver, alors on a un minimum de sentiers qui permettent aux randonneurs de venir pratiquer leur activité favorite, même pendant les mois qui sont les plus froids de l'année. Michel, quelles sont les destinations les plus intéressantes que l'on peut atteindre à partir des sentiers du parc? Alors, le randonneur qui arriverait au parc pour la première fois aurait à découvrir une multitude de destinations. Alors, que ce soit des plans d'eau, alors principalement des lacs, des belvédères, des destinations historiques, comme le domaine Mackenzie King. Un superbe de beaux sentiers dans ce coin-là, le sentier qui mène aux chutes, le sentier des chutes, le sentier Lorio, un sentier historique qui fait référence à une famille de pionniers dans le, dans le secteur ici. qu'on peut penser à des relais. On parle, par exemple, le relais Ridge qui a été bâti il y a plus de 100 ans. Si on va dans le secteur du lac Philippe, évidemment, il y a la caverne au bout du lac Philippe, la caverne du lac Losque. Alors, ce sont des destinations naturelles, historiques, patrimoniales. Alors, toutes ces destinations-là sont possibles à partir de milieux différents et aussi des itinéraires. Il faut penser en termes de destination, mais aussi en termes d'itinéraire. Voulez-vous partir pour une demi-heure, une heure, deux heures? Voulez-vous partir pour la journée? Alors, le parc a une diversité assez incroyable de destinations. Et pour les connaître, évidemment, il faut bien s'informer en fonction de vos propres habiletés. Euh, Êtes-vous un débutant? Êtes-vous un randonneur intermédiaire? Êtes-vous un expert? Avez-vous des, des restrictions? Et alors, à ce moment-là, le parc a certainement plusieurs possibilités pour vous. Michel, pouvez-vous expliquer les comportements respectueux qui sont attendus des utilisateurs des sentiers? Alors, les randonneurs souhaitent que leur sortie au parc soit agréable et sécuritaire. Le premier comportement respectueux, je crois, est définitivement de, de s'informer. Le parc une superficie d'au-delà de 36 000 hectares. Donc, c'est relativement grand. Il y a panoplie de sentiers. On parle d'au-delà de 40 différents sentiers pour, euh, qui sont accessibles pour visiter le parc. Alors, dans un premier temps, je crois qu'il faut s'informer. Par la suite, lorsque votre itinéraire sera déterminé, 
ce que l'on recommande, c'est d'informer vos proches de votre, de votre destination. Choisir un itinéraire adapté à votre condition physique ou à votre type de pratique. L'autre élément, s'il vous plaît, rapportez vos déchets. Euh, s'il y a une petite collation, des choses comme ça, alors rapportez-les et déposez vos déchets à l'entrée des secteurs, à l'entrée des, des stationnements, au stationnement où il y a des poubelles à cet effet. Si vous avez un animal domestique, gardez-le en laisse. Et le dernier comportement respectueux qui est attendu, définitivement, si vous utilisez un vélo de montagne de grâce, utilisez-le avec courtoisie pour les autres utilisateurs qui eux sont à pied et ils vont évidemment moins vite que vous. Mesdames et messieurs, nous revenons à la demi-heure en anglais et à l'heure en français. au concours coloris automnage sur CHU. Il y aura plus de 600 en prix et deux familles chanceuses gagneront des laissés passer pour le ski de fond en hiver et le stationnement en été au parc de la Gatineau. Une fois que vous avez rempli votre formulaire, vous pouvez le déposer au centre des visiteurs au parc de la Gatineau ou bien au domaine Mackenzie King. Écoutez CHU les fins de semaine entre 11h et 16h pour tous les détails nécessaires sur le coloris automnal. Soyez-y! And we're back. My name is Randy McElligot. You're listening to In Transition on CHUOFM. We're going to start off this afternoon with some music from up-and-coming sax player Aaron Irwin. Aaron has a new album out entitled Into the Light. And we're going to listen to one of his compositions uh, entitled In the 90s.
I'm curious. Have you paid the rent yet? What about your cell phone plan, gym membership, and 14th century Moldavian history tutor? And what does that leave for car insurance? No problem. Because at Bel Air Direct, we offer a 10% student discount, a 5% web discount, and access to quotes from our competitors. Huh? Now you're curious. Get a well-deserved break on car insurance. Hard to believe? See for yourself. Visit BelairDirect.com. Some conditions apply. We just heard some uh, new music from sax player Aaron Irwin. That's from his brand new album. It's entitled Into the Light. And we heard a song called In the 90s. And we're going to move to uh, Sweden and listen to uh, another sax player who has been making uh, quite a name for himself. His name is Hakan Brostrom. And this is from um, his new album as well. It's entitled New Places. And we're going to listen to a track entitled Love.
interesting piece of music from a band known as Turquoise, and that was uh, taken from their album Mosaic of Anatolia. And the tune that we just heard was called Scrumpy Feel. And just before that, some music from sax player Hakan Brostrom from his new album. It's entitled New Places, and we heard a song entitled Love. I'll be back in a few minutes' time with... um, a tribute from Gordon Bennett to the late Claude Luther, who passed away uh, this past week. I believe he was 83 years old. Uh, Gordon is uh, going to be featuring some of his mu- music as part of the Bennett archive. So we'll be back in a few minutes' time with uh, Gordon Bennett and a tribute to Claude Luther. <laughs> Welcome to Fall Rhapsody Radio, an initiative of the National Capital Commission in collaboration with CHUO. From September 30th to October 15th, between 11 a.m. and 4 p.m., a 10-minute program will be presented in French at the beginning of every hour and in English at every half hour. During the last weekend of Fall Rhapsody, there'll be lots of activities to choose from, including Leaf Day, where kids can play in giant piles of leaves, identify leaves of the park's main tree species, there'll be drawing competitions, and learning how to make a herbarium, There'll also be the closing ceremony with the klezmer gypsy music of Mouche Bouche. That'll all take place at the Gatineau Park Visitor Center at 33 Scott Road in Chelsea from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. And it's all free. There'll also be the amateur photo contest. This year's theme is Gatineau Park lakes and streams in fall colors. There'll be six great prizes to be won. Among others, a Fuji Fine Pix S9000 digital camera with 9 megapixels at a value of $750. Compliments of Japan Camera from Place du Centre and Galerie d'Arles in Gatineau. Contest ends October 27th at 4 p.m. Fall Rhapsody Radio will present you short information capsules about the history and natural wonders of Gatineau Park. Within the green borders of Gatineau Park lie some amazing treasures. A variety of plants and animals, unique sites and crystal clear lakes, as well as a vast network of trails that put a spring in the step of hikers and a bounce in the tires of mountain bikes. David Maitland is the manager of visitor services in Gatineau Park, and we met with him to find out a bit more about Gatineau's trails. He started off by telling us about the scale of the network. The Gatineau Park Trail Network is quite extensive and is usable uh, all seasons uh, of the year. The Summer Trail Network is over 200 kilometers long, and uh, on that trail network you can uh, hike, obviously, and further than that you can mountain bike. There are parts of it which are asphalt, so you can rollerblade on them. And there is also an opportunity for regular kind of uh, road bikes. In the wintertime, uh, we convert to a primarily a cross-country ski network, which is, uh, uses almost all the 200 kilometers of trails, although there is also uh, snowshoeing uh, opportunities as well, and also walking in the winter on some of our trails that have been compacted for walking purposes. The southern part of the park, the parkway sector, has probably the largest uh, quantity of trails or the largest, uh, shall we say, distance of trail available. In the parkway sector, I portions, but I would say well over half of the trail system is available within the southern half of the park, meaning uh, between the city of Gatineau up into the uh, municipality of Chelsea. Once you get farther north into the Lac Philippe sector, there are longer, certainly longer trails, but uh, fewer of them. And that's where a lot of our users now are uh, are enjoying the more remote uh, experience that you get up in the areas of the park that are not so heavily used. David continues by telling us about the activities that can be carried out on Gatineau's trails. 
Most of the trails are essentially shared use trails. In other words, you, you can walk on the trails or you could uh, mountain bike on them. In some cases, obviously, you could take a baby stroller and uh, that kind of equipment. Having said that, there are uh, quite a few trails that are devoted to hiking only, uh, and the reasons why they are devoted to hiking um, is to try and retain a, a, f a fairly um, non-mechanized experience for the user, but also there's always an environmental impact that uh, could be a factor in choosing which trails are available to mountain bikes. Um, there are issues of erosion and certain kinds of ecological habitat that we would prefer that people do not take their mountain bikes into. In the wintertime, because the winter is such a season that does not really have any impact yet. On the uh, park, um, a lot of, I mean, the trails are almost in, entirely track set, although even you can go off trail, you can go into the bush on your skis if you have the right kind of equipment. You can use um, snowshoes. Now, we do have some snowshoe trails that are already available and marked and have rest stops so that people can go and warm up as they're doing their snowshoe activity. But it's, there's nothing, absolutely nothing stopping someone from from just snowshoeing in the bush. The problem that we often have, though, sometimes is that people are walking or snowshoeing on ski trails, and that can present a problem with uh, the skiers uh, potentially having uh, some danger for the skiers and also the obvious possibility of them you know, running into each other. David continues by telling us about what kind of interesting destinations one could reach from the trail network. Obviously, uh, you know, one of the major reasons uh, for using our uh, trail network is to reach destinations or discover parts of the park that uh, have not uh, been revealed to you through the parkway um, network that we have, which is used by uh, motorized vehicles. Uh, we have numerous uh, destinations, whether it's uh, Belvedere's, like uh, on the Wolf Trail. There's uh, numerous ski chalets and refuge that people can visit. Trail network will take you into the very backcountry areas of uh, Lac La Pêche even. Uh, we've also got some historical locations that one can visit on a, for instance, in the Mackenzie King Estate, there's a beautiful trail that leads down to a waterfall. Uh, there's also a beautiful uh, trail at Champlain Lookout that gives you a beautiful view over the, the Ottawa Valley. All kinds of very interesting and unique and beautiful sites that uh, one can reach through our trail system. As um, you know, is obvious to any frequent user of the park, but perhaps not so obvious to people who've come here as visitors from else, from elsewhere in Canada. The the park is in fact uh, linked to the central core through a system of uh, recreational pathways. Now, once one leaves that. Uh, fairly well-developed recreational pathway system, we start getting into other locations which are perhaps a little bit more developed and as you move farther and farther away from the city core, things become more and more backcountry. One good example is uh, we have a beautiful site in the southern end of the park, uh, Pink Lake, and as uh, with numerous other locations in the parkway sector, it has been uh, developed. It's a very unique lake and it's a very beautiful location. And it's been developed so that it can, in fact, uh, provide a very interesting experience for the public, but at the same time protect the resource of the lake and the, uh, the surroundings of the lake so that um, even though it might be very, very close, and as the crow flies, probably, you know, four or five miles from the center part of the city, yet it uh, retains its beautiful character and will be will be retained and its um, integrity will be retained over the long term because of some of the developments we've made. And for a family outing of a couple of hours in the afternoon, it's an absolutely ideal location to visit. Now the use of the park is a real gift. David explains to us how best to respect the park. 
With uh, a facility as popular as ours, there are some basic uh, rules of the road that we like to uh, have people uh, become aware of in the park uh, when they're using our uh, trail system. All of our trailhead panels, which every trailhead has a trailhead panel, and on that trailhead panel we have maps, we have the destinations are marked, the distances are marked, the degree of uh, difficulty of the trail is marked, and also a very important part, we do have our what we call our etiquette, our trail etiquette. Now, whether it's in the summer or the winter, there are certain basic fundamental uh, rules that we, we suggest people use that will make their experience better and will improve the situation for everybody that's participating. A couple of the really important ones are one has to be careful of uh, where we take pets, uh, particularly dogs are an issue. We do have some uh, regulations around dogs. Uh, they have to be leashed and they shouldn't be on a leash longer than two meters and there are certain areas of the park where they're not permitted. One should always yield the right of way. For instance, going up a hill, if somebody's coming down the hill, the person going up the hill should yield the right of way to the person coming down the hill because obviously they can perhaps stop in time. There's other things like, you know, not collecting anything, not picking plants, not picking up rocks, uh, not kind of violating in any way the, uh, the park environment. One of the other ones uh, that comes up oftentimes is we, uh, we very carefully um, request that people do not smoke in any of our facilities, and I think smoking in general in the park is probably something to be discouraged. One final item is is that uh, whatever you bring with you, please take home. We don't. Uh, we do have garbage receptacles, and they should be used. But uh, our preference certainly is that people basically leave only trail tracks behind them, and not uh, not their garbage. Our thanks to David Maitland, manager of the visitor services in Gatineau Park. Fall Rhapsody Radio will be back in French at the hour and in English every half hour. The NCC and CHUO 89.1 FM invite you to enter the Fall Rhapsody Contest with prizes worth over $600. Two lucky families will win an all-season pass to Gatineau Park, including cross-country skiing and free summer parking. The entry forms on the back of the Fall Rhapsody pamphlet and can be dropped off at the Visitor Center in Gatineau Park or at the Mackenzie King Estate. Tune into CHUO on weekends from 11 to 4 p.m. for more info on Fall Rhapsody and all the contest details. As promised, uh, we're going to listen now to um, some material of Claude Luther's has presented on one of Gordon Bennett's shows at the Jazz Band Ball many years ago. We're going to listen to uh, St. Louis Blues and Basin Street Blues. So let's turn it over to Gordon Bennett. Here's another one. His name is Claude Luther, and uh, he has a New Orleans-style jazz band. He has Pierre Deveau on trumpet, Christine Guerin on trombone, Claude Lauture himself on clarinet, Jean-Claude Peltier on bass, pari, sorry, piano, Roland Bianchini on bass, and Pumi Arnaud on drums. These, it says here, were recorded in Buenos Aires in the Argentine in 1957. So let's listen to Claude Lauture's New Orleans Jazz Band and the St. Louis Blues.
That was the Claude Luther New Orleans Jazz Band from Paris playing in Buenos Aires in 1957. That was W.C. Handy's St. Louis Blues. Here's uh, Mr. Williams's, that's Spencer Williams, I think, Basin Street Blues.
we have the Claude Lutour, Claude Lutour Jazz Band. Thank you, Gordon, for that uh, special on the late Claude Lutair, who passed away at the age of 83 recently. And he was quite a, a musician, quite a clarinetist. We're going to hear now some music from a vocalist named Siti Novero. And this is taken from her live album. And we're going to listen to her take on the classic composition, Wave. Tegan and Sarah, I'm about to uh, start a solo project because I've murdered Tegan. You heard it first on CHUO 89.1 FM.
Deutsches aus Ottawa, the weekly German show with your host, Oswin Lohwurm. Deutsches aus Ottawa is light musical entertainment with highlights from the event calendar, Fußball Bundesliga results, and interesting tidbits of useless information. That's the German show Sunday afternoons at 3 p.m. And that was uh, some uh, new music from City Navarro. S I T T I is the way that you uh, spell her name. And we heard um, her take on the uh, the composition entitled "Wave." And just before that, uh, we heard uh, Gordon Bennett from the Bennett Archives with his tribute to Claude Luther. We're going to continue now with some music from guitarist Lulu Weiss. Lulu Weiss. Uh, this is from his album "Guitars and Chitan." And Lulu plays in the style of uh, Django Reinhardt. In fact, he plays a lot of material from uh, Django Reinhardt's songbook. And we're going to listen to a track now which uh, features uh, Lulu on guitar and uh, a track entitled Lulu Swing. Thank you. 
Alternative Sound is Ottawa's newest hi-fi store, providing a new alternative for local audiophiles. Planet of Sound carries many of the top names in hi-fi, including Cyrus, Riga, Epos, Creek, and Project. We also boast the largest turntable and audiophile software selection in Ottawa. Plus, our trade-in policy allows you to sell your old gear to get something new. Come see us at 1194 Bank Street in Old Ottawa South, or visit us on the web at www.planetofsoundonline.com. Planet of Sound, bringing you the best audio from around the world.
a very hot guitarist coming out of Germany. Her name is Susan Weinhardt. And uh, that was taken from her album Point of View. And we heard a track called Trust Me. And you might... Uh, actually, we just heard a little bit of uh, additional music there. But if you, uh, if you want to um, pick up some of her recordings, you could do a Google search on her on the Internet. Her last name is spelled W-E-I-N-E-R-T. And her first name is Susan. We're going to go now to um, another break in the show. And we're going to listen to um, um, some uh, NCC Fall Rhapsody. And then we'll, we'll be back with uh, some more music. Ici Sarah Onyango. Et bienvenue à Radio Coloris, une émission de radio sur le coloris automnal. C'est une initiative de la CCN en collaboration avec CHUO. Tous les week-ends, du 30 septembre au 15 octobre, à compter de 11h et jusqu'à 16h, à l'heure en français, à la demi-heure en anglais. Plusieurs activités seront présentées le dernier week-end de Coloris. Prenez la journée des feuilles. Les enfants pourront jouer dans un amoncellement géant de feuilles, identifier les feuilles des principaux arbres du parc, participer à un concours de dessin de feuilles, apprendre à construire un herbier. Vous pourrez également assister à un spectacle de musique tzigane présenté par le groupe Mouchetabouche. Le tout aura lieu au centre des visiteurs du parc de la Gatineau au 33 Chemin Scott à Chelsea, entre 13h et 16h. L'entrée est gratuite. Il y aura également un concours de photos d'amateurs 2006. Le thème, les couleurs d'automne du parc de la Gatineau, se reflétant dans les cours d'eau du parc de la Gatineau. Il y aura six magnifiques prix à gagner, dont une caméra numérique Fuji Fine Pix S9000, 9 mégapixels, d'une valeur de 750 dollars. Gracieuseté du Centre japonais de la photo, de la Place du Centre et des Galeries de Hall à Gatineau. Ce concours a lieu jusqu'au 27 octobre 2006 à 16 h Dans le cadre de Radio Coloris, nous allons vous présenter de courtes capsules d'informations sur la nature et l'histoire du parc. Aujourd'hui, saisissons l'occasion pour parler un peu de l'histoire du parc de la Gatineau où vous vous baladez peut-être en ce moment. Le parc de la Gatineau couvre un territoire d'une superficie de plus de 36 100 hectares, enclavé entre les rivières Gatineau et des Outaouais. Il a été formé à partir de plus de 1400 parcelles acquises par le gouvernement canadien d'année en année pendant une période de près de 70 ans. Aujourd'hui, pour les résidents et les visiteurs de la région de la capitale, le parc de la Gatineau représente de vastes espaces verdoyants qui ondulent à l'horizon nord de la cité. Un espace paradisiaque pour les amateurs de plein air et les contemplateurs de la nature. Il est devenu un trésor de patrimoine naturel et historique, conservé pour l'enchantement des générations actuelles et à venir. Il n'en a pas toujours été ainsi. Écoutons Denis Messier, gestionnaire du service d'interprétation historique au parc de la Gatineau, nous dire quelques mots sur le passé du parc. Bien que le territoire de l'actuel parc de la Gatineau ait été exploré et exploité pendant des siècles pour les richesses qu'il contenait, tels les animaux à fourrure, le bois, 
les mines et l'agriculture, ce n'est que dans le dernier tiers du 19e siècle que sa vocation actuelle commence à se dessiner. C'est au milieu du 19e siècle que plusieurs facteurs vont converger et donner naissance à un mouvement continental de retour vers la nature. L'industrialisation, l'urbanisation sauvage et l'insalubrité des villes incitent les citoyens qui en ont les moyens à chercher des petits coins de paradis à la campagne. De plus, plusieurs mouvements philosophiques, politiques et philanthropiques, la plupart inspirés du courant romantique qui domine le siècle, préconisent à la fois l'assainissement des villes et le retour à la nature. C'est donc à cause des difficiles conditions dans les villes que les citoyens qui en ont les moyens commencent à se construire des chalets et résidences secondaires dans les campagnes avoisinant les grandes villes. Qu'en pense Denis Messier? Incendie de 1900 qui détruit une bonne partie de la ville de Hall, aujourd'hui la ville de Gatineau, et des quartiers entiers d'Ottawa empirent la situation d'une ville que le premier ministre du Canada d'alors, Sir Wilfrid Laurier, a déjà qualifié de « capitale la plus laide au monde ». De plus en plus de citoyens aisés lèvent les yeux vers les collines de l'Outaouais et rêvent de s'y établir. C'est ainsi que la dernière décennie du 19e siècle voit les hôtels, les auberges, terrains de golf, terrains de tennis et autres lieux récréatifs apparaître sur le territoire qui deviendra le parc de la Gatineau. Des dizaines de citadins s'installent alors à Chelsea et autour des lacs Kingsmere et Meach. Les activités ne manquent pas. Baignade, canotage, randonnée en forêt, chasse et pêche occupent le temps libre de ces citoyens privilégiés. Ils deviennent une importante source de revenus pour les descendants des pionniers qui leur fournissent le transport, les produits agricoles et l'indispensable main dœuvre et qui sont ainsi parmi les premiers Canadiens à vivre de l'industrie touristique. Plusieurs personnalités provenant du monde des affaires, comme par exemple Thomas Carbide Wilson, un fameux inventeur et industriel du début du siècle qui s'installe dans la maison qui existe toujours aujourd'hui, au sud du lac Meach, se bâtissent des résidences d'été dans les collines. Des hauts fonctionnaires, comme par exemple John George Bourino, alors greffier en chef de la Chambre des communes, qui fonde le village de Kingsmere, et évidemment, William Lyon Mackenzie King, qui était alors sous-ministre du Travail, vont posséder des résidences dans les collines. On dit que la pratique du ski a joué un grand rôle dans le développement de la fonction récréative dans les collines de la Gatineau. Qu'en pense notre invité? Parallèlement à ces villégiateurs qui occupent les collines à demeure, des milliers d'autres citoyens laissent leur empreinte en traçant, entretenant, et utilisant tout un réseau de sentiers sur lequel ils s'adonnent à leur sport de prédilection, le ski. Ils sont regroupés au sein du Club de ski d'Ottawa, fondé en 1910, et qui a déjà compté plus de 10 000 membres. C'était le plus important club de ski au Canada, un des plus importants au monde. D'abord concentré autour du saut à ski du parc Rotliffe à Ottawa, le club change ses orientations à la fin de la Première Guerre mondiale. Il jette alors son dévolu sur les terrains autour de la propriété d'un nommé Garrett Fortune, dont la modeste cabane deviendra le camp Fortune. Les membres du club développent tout un réseau de sentiers entre Hall et le camp Fortune. Sur ce réseau, une chaîne de refuges et de relais seront construits pour accueillir les skieurs. Comment en est-on arrivé à créer un parc dans ces collines? L'idée d'un parc est mentionnée pour la première fois en 1903, dans un rapport de la Commission d'embellissement d'Ottawa, 
ancêtre de la Commission de la capitale nationale. Cette idée reviendra dans l'actualité à plusieurs reprises dans les premières décennies du siècle. À partir de 1921, Mackenzie King, devenu premier ministre du Canada, tente en vain de réaliser ce projet. Dans les années 1930, King, alors dans l'opposition, appuyé par des groupes comme le Club de ski d'Ottawa et la Ligue contre le déboisement des terres fédérales, qu'il a lui-même contribué à fonder, presse le gouvernement d'agir. Revenu au pouvoir, Mackenzie King réussit en 1938 à faire adopter une loi qui permet d'acheter les premiers terrains qui formeront le parc de la Gatineau. Mackenzie King et l'urbaniste Jacques Grébert, que l'ancien premier ministre avait lui-même recruté à Paris en 1936, réussiront ensuite à faire du parc de la Gatineau le principal espace vert de la capitale du Canada. Intéressante histoire d'un parc créé par le gouvernement sous la pression de ses usagers grâce au leadership d'un premier ministre. Mesdames et messieurs, nous revenons à la demi-heure en anglais et à l'heure en français. Participez au concours coloris automnage sur CHUO. Il y aura plus de 600 en prix et deux familles chanceuses gagneront des laissés passer pour le ski de fond en hiver et le stationnement en été au parc de la Gatineau. Une fois que vous avez rempli votre formulaire, vous pouvez le déposer au Centre des visiteurs au Parc de la Gatineau ou bien au domaine Mackenzie King. Écoutez CHO les fins de semaine entre 11h et 16h pour tous les détails nécessaires sur le coloris automnal. Soyez-y! Let's get back to uh, some more music and we're going to uh, visit Aaron Irwin again. We started off with Aaron at the top of the show and we're going to listen to another track from his new album, Into the Light, and this is uh, a nice rendition of Monk's Ugly Beauty.
most exciting and thrilling music around. Keep your dial locked to CHO 89.1 FM.
music from vocalist Grace Testani, taken from uh, her album entitled Something's Coming that was released uh, quite a few years ago. And we heard a track called Watching the Wind. And just before that, we heard uh, a version of Ugly Beauty performed for us uh, this afternoon by sax player Aaron Irwin, taken from his uh, new album entitled Into the Light. My name is Randy McElligot, and you're listening to In Transition on CHUOFM. Coming to you from the University of Ottawa. We're serving the Ottawa Hall area and surroundings at 89.1. And we're also streaming live on the internet at www.chuo.fm. One of my favorite bassists is Mark Egan. Mark has performed with uh, many people throughout his career, notably Pat Metheny. And uh, what I'd like to feature now is something from his new album. It's entitled As We Speak, and it features another Matheny alumni, Danny Gottlieb. Danny's on drums and John Abercrombie on guitar. And we're going to listen to a tune that I love this play on words. It's entitled Plane to the Train, and that's train T-R-A-N-E. Thank you. 
Mark Egan, and uh, that was a tune called Plane to the Train, taken from his album As We Speak. I'll be back in a few minutes' time with uh, some more jazz. Welcome to Fall Rhapsody Radio, an initiative of the National Capital Commission in collaboration with CHUO. From September 30th to October 15th, between 11 a.m. and 4 p.m., a 10-minute program will be presented in French at the beginning of every hour and in English at every half hour. During the last weekend of Fall Rhapsody, there'll be lots of activities to choose from, including Leaf Day, where kids can play in giant piles of leaves, identify leaves of the park's main tree species, there'll be drawing competitions, and learning how to make a herbarium. There'll also be the closing ceremony with the klezmer gypsy music of Mouche Tabouche. That'll all take place at the Gadnau Park Visitor Center at 33 Scott Road in Chelsea from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. And it's all free. There'll also be the amateur photo contest. This year's theme is Gatineau Park Lakes and Streams in Fall Colors. There'll be six great prizes to be won. Among others, a Fuji Fine Pix S9000 digital camera with 9 megapixels at a value of $750, compliments of Japan Camera from Place du Centre and Galerie d'Arles in Gatineau. Contest ends October 27th at 4 p.m. Fall Rhapsody Radio will present you short information capsules about the history and natural wonders of Gatineau Park. Let's take a minute to talk about the history of Gatineau Park and where you might be at this very moment. Gatineau Park includes a territory of more than 36,100 hectares enclosed between the Gatineau and Ottawa rivers. It is created from more than 1,400 pieces of land obtained by the Canadian government over a period of about 70 years. Today, for local residents and visitors of the national capital, Gatineau Park represents a vast green space nestled on the northern horizon of the city. It also provides a heavenly space for outdoor enthusiasts and nature lovers alike. It's now a natural and historic heritage treasure preserved for this generation and those to come. But it wasn't always like that. Let's listen to François Leduc, manager of the Gatineau Park Interpretation Service, tell us a little bit about its history. 
Although the territory of the current Gatineau Park was explored and exploited for several centuries for the resource that it contained, such as furs, lumber, mines, and farmland, it is only in the last third of the 19th century that its vocation began to be drawn. In the middle of the 19th century, several factors will converge and give birth to a continental movement of return toward nature. Industrialization, the wild urbanization, and the insalubrities of the cities incite the citizens that have the mean to look for a small corner of paradise in the country. Various philosophical, political, and philanthropic movements, mostly inspired by the romantic ideals that dominate the century, recommend at once the sanitation of the cities and the return to nature. So it came to be that due to bad conditions in the cities, citizens who actually had the means began to construct chalets and secondary residences in the country close to the city. François Leduc elaborates. The fire of 1900 that destroyed a large part of the city of all, today Gatineau, and Ottawa neighborhoods, made worse the condition of a city that the Prime Minister, Sir Wilfrid Laurier, had qualified as the ugliest capital of the world. More and more of the wealthy citizens turned their eyes towards the Gatineau Hill and dream of living there. It was in the last decade of the 19th century that hotels, inns, golf, tennis, and other recreational sites started to appear on the territory that would become Gatineau Park. Tens of city dwellers installed themselves in Chelsea and around Meach and Kingsmere Lake. Many activities were available. Swimming, boating, hiking in the forest, hunting and fishing occupied the free time of these privileged citizens. They became an important source of income for the descendants of the pioneers who were the transportation, the agriculture product and the essential manpower providers. They were among the first Canadians to live from the tourist industry. Several personalities originating from the business world built summer residence in the hills. An example is Thomas Carbide Wilson, a fine inventor and industrialist of the beginning of the century who built the house that still exists today south of Meach Lake. Important civil servant such as Sir John Bourino, chief clerk at the House of Comment, who was the founder of the village of Kingsmere, and of course, William Lyon Mackenzie King, who was at the time a civil servant, had summer residence in the hills. François now explains the role skiing had on the development of the leisure culture in the Gatineau Hills. Alongside these cottagers that occupied the hills, thousands of other citizens marked the landscape of the hills while tracing, maintaining, and using an important network of trail on which they devoted themselves to their favorite sport, skiing. In 1910, they established a group known as the Ottawa Ski Club, and they soon counted more than 10,000 members. This was the most important ski club in Canada, and actually one of the most important in the world. First concentrated around the ski jump located at Rockcliffe Park, the club changes its orientation at the end of the First World War. They choose a land around the property of Garrett Fortune, a pioneer of the hill. The modest home of Mr. Fortune will become Camp Fortune. The members of the club develop a trail network between Alt and Camp Fortune. 
On this network, a chain of refuge and shelters will be constructed to welcome the skiers. To conclude, François Leduc explains to us how the idea of a park finally came to be in the Gatineau Hills. The idea of a park is mentioned for the first time in 1903 in a report of the Ottawa Improvement Commission, ancestor of the NCC. This idea will often come back in the first decades of the century. From 1921, Mackenzie King, elected Prime Minister, tried in vain to make this project a reality. In the 30s, King, then in the opposition, made pressure on the government to act. He was supported by groups like the Ottawa Ski Club and the Federal Land Preservation League that he himself had contributed to found. Back in his Prime Minister function, Mackenzie King succeeds in 1938 to pass a law that allows the government to buy the first land that will form Gatineau Park. Mackenzie King and a town planner, Jacques Grébert, will then succeed to make Gatineau Park the principal green space of Canada's capital. Our thanks to François Leduc, manager of the Gatineau Park Interpretation Service. Fall Rhapsody Radio will be back in French at the hour and in English at the half hour. The NCC and CHUO 89.1 FM invite you to enter the Fall Rhapsody Contest with prizes worth over $600. Two lucky families will win an all-season pass to Gatineau Park, including cross-country skiing and free summer parking. The entry forms on the back of the Fall Rhapsody pamphlet and can be dropped off at the Visitor Center in Gatineau Park or at the Mackenzie King Estate. Tune into CHUO on weekends from 11 to 4 p.m. for more info on Fall Rhapsody and all the contest details. Well, we're back. My name is Randy McElligot, and you're listening to In Transition on CHUO-FM, coming to you from the University of Ottawa. We're going to listen now to a flautist who I'm not familiar with, but uh, sounds very interesting. His name is Damian Krajasek, and this is from uh, a new album entitled In Retrospect. We have uh, Damian is on flute, Serge Kazimov is on piano, Rigoberto A. Lopez on bass, Koki Garcia on drums and Joey De Leon is on congas and percussion. Let's give a listen to the Miles Davis classic All Blues.
just heard some music from the Dizzy Gillespie All-Star Band with Dizzy's Business and the last tune that we just heard was I Mean You. I'll be back next week with another edition of In Transition. Until then, have a great week. My name is Randy McElligot. Bye for now.